and welcome to another episode of the Grunge Bible Podcast. This is episode 95. My name is Ethan Shalloway, and I am joined, as usual, by the lovely, good-looking Chris Salona. Wow, I'm lovely and good-looking. Yeah, you are, man. You are lovely and good-looking today. Uh, That's amazing. I mean, do you feel that way? Do you feel lovely today? Yeah, I feel... I mean, I don't know if I feel good-looking, but I I feel... You know, I think I feel lovely today. Um, You know, I'm starting to get back into the groove uh, January's ticking along and, uh, you know, we're at the middle of the month now and, uh, the holiday hangovers have passed. I've, you know, right. put the lid on the lid on the various escapades of, uh, you know, debauchery and just kind of, you know, not taking care of yourself and just having fun, which you have to do, but you know, it feels good to get back into a little bit of a rhythm with work, um, you know, with other sorts of activities. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in addition to that, with the podcasting, uh, you know, we're back. Yeah, I love the idea, I mean, New Year's resolutions, I feel like um, usually, you know, they don't start, if you start on January 1st, like, you know, that's kind of lame. You know, usually people, you got to start like January 10th. That's when yeah, you, you really start. a little that, bit, exactly. You got to ease into the You got to ease into the year. <laughs> you got to ease into the New Year's. <laughs> so like now that we're 10 days into January, we, we're really cracking down on the nutrition and the sleep and stuff. And yeah. what I was going to say earlier is, uh, you know, you know, you're, when you, when you decide to cut out, you know, dry January, you try to cut out a lot of stuff and, and then right. you get back into a rhythm and you start feeling good, you start lifting or you get back into your routine. You know that you're back when you when you start like um, talking yourself into like, yeah, you know, maybe this weekend I will have a few drinks actually. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of go back on your word just because you start <laughs> feeling good again. And then once you get in that rhythm, you're like, you know, I think I deserve it. Exactly. Yeah, that's absolutely what it is. And even like when you get back, like, I mean, we, I mean, you, you train you know, professionally for an actual goal. I just train for the hell of it, you know, lifting and everything. And you take a little bit of time off. It doesn't have to be that much. You take like a week off or even four or five days. That first day back, you're like, oh, like I don't want to go. But you know you have to. And as soon as you do it, you feel good. And uh, I think that's, you know, that's what it's all about. You know, you can use the New Year as a line in the sand to, you know, start to put yourself in, put yourself in, in a position where you may feel good. So that's what yeah. we're trying to do. And, uh, you know, hope everybody uh, is making those positive changes in their lives. Yeah, and if you're out there, I just I'll say this because yesterday I had one of those moments where I was pretty beat. Uh, it was like three days back after working, three days into training, and there was a session that I was just beat and didn't really want to go to. But uh, we yeah. mustered up and we went to it because it was like short. It was just kind of like it was one of those things where you you just to can continue the the pattern, the discipline to be there. And and I didn't necessarily want to go, but I went and I surprised myself and I got a lot out of it. So if you're out there and you're not sure if you should go to the gym, maybe it's the gym, or you should, you know, read a book or start, you know, for whatever whatever you're trying to do to be better to be better at, um, just force yourself to do it, and I think you'll be really happy afterwards. Because usually, those are the times when, um, you know, there's something special in there waiting for you, and you just need to go, yeah, and and be there. And I, I feel like, I mean, you can probably attest to this. There's a lot of times where. You know, the session that you don't think is going to be beneficial is um, goes a long way. You know, it really helps you recover. It helps you get to the next point. You learn, right. you learn something you didn't expect. So those yeah. times always seem to be really key. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, you know, I think it goes back to what our uh, 
our friend Eddie Vedder said on a song called Porch, hear my name, yeah. take a good look. This could be the day. Yeah. Uh, you never know. Oh, it there could it be is. the day. I have it tattooed on my rib cage for a reason. And, uh, you know, it's for times like these. So, I yeah, think things maybe are We might be important. talking about that, that song a little bit later today, too. Yeah, I think we might have to. Uh, you know, and speaking of taking leaps, Ethan, uh, today is an important day that's going to make, hopefully make you feel all kinds of warm and fuzzy. But I have a nice little factoid to share with you and the greater grunge bible podcast community are you ready oh yeah i'm ready all right so so this is uh as we know this is episode 95 it's coming out on january the 16th um but we're sitting down to record this on january the 12th uh 2023 and that's notable for a big reason on january 12th 2021 two years ago to this day we sat down for the first time and we recorded the unreleased pilot episode of the Grunge Bible podcast. So two years ago today, we were doing the same exact thing, but we were doing it for the first time. Wow. And yeah, I remember, uh, I think your internet cut out and we decided to scrap it, but I still have the <laughs> file. It's like the only one that I've really saved on my on my own hard drive. Yeah. Um, I still have it. I haven't listened to it since then, but yeah, it's funny. I was looking back. I was like, I know we started in January of 2021 recording and banking episodes. Yeah. And sure enough, today's the day. It's been two years since the first time that we did this. Wow. That yeah. is, that's awesome. That that's really cool. Is two cool. years goes by pretty, pretty quickly. It does. It does. That's yeah. why if you want to pick up guitar, do it because two years will go by in no time and you wish yeah, exactly. you did. It's so easy. You know, time goes by, you get busy. Um, you know, and you, you look years. back and like, wow, that went by so quickly, um, you know, but it does go by quickly. So if you, you infuse some of these things that you want to get better at, or you want to spend more time doing the best day to do it is today. So, um, yeah, I man, know we talk about, I know crazy. we talk about that a lot, Yeah, about how long we've been doing this and the stretch. <laughs> and I mean, we really talk about it every podcast, but, um, can't stress enough that it's a good reminder and it's a good, uh, you know, it's just a good thing to help us keep going too. Yeah, absolutely. So this is uh, the perfect time, you know, over these two years, we've had a lot of people come and go throughout the podcast. Uh, a lot of people listen, uh, give their feedback and show their support. Uh, and at this time, I would like to thank our top level supporters on Patreon, who are the uh, the engine behind this whole thing. You know, their support of $10 a month really keep this going and uh, make it so that we can, you know, afford to do this and we don't have to, uh, you know, dig too deeply into our pockets to make this happen because, you know, we enjoy doing this and we want to do this for a long time. And uh, any support that people show um, is uh, indispensable towards that uh, process and that progress. So at this time, our top level Patreon supporter list, uh, as of this recording, it reads, What the fuck's up, Denny's? Seattle 4 fanboy from New Jersey. Shoe the Shoeless, Rachel Corning, Millie, Nikki Six, Marianne, Laura Nyreen, Carlene Salona, Chris LSMS, our number one fan from Australia. Jamie Lynn, Fresh Tendonitis, Fuck Soup, Granny Grunge, Jade Mercado, Faith Bittner, Captain High Top, Doug Endy, Kara Kay, Brother Nature, Eddie Vedder got me through my second divorce, Alexis Shannon, The Blue Owl, Alex Long, and Black Hole Sean, as well as Christine Shepard. So thank you to each and every one of you for your support. And, uh, you know, if you're thinking about helping us, uh, you know, maybe maybe now's the time. And when we're coming up on the two-year anniversary of the show in and of itself with episode 102 uh, coming out in, what, seven weeks or so. So, you know, to help us for, for the next year of podcasts uh, and episodes, that would be uh, duly appreciated. So thank mm-hmm. you to everyone who has shown their support thus far. And uh, we are eager to thank those that choose to in the future. Yep, we couldn't do it without our listeners, followers, and 
Patreon supporters. So thank you, as well yeah. as well as our producer. Shout out to Jeru. Uh, yeah, we love as we well gotta, as uh, as well as that. the two co-hosts here, Chris Sloan, Ethan Shalloway. Uh, yeah. Thanks to both. Thanks to you, and uh, thanks to me for uh, sticking with this. This is yeah. uh, it's been good. It's been quality. But um, yeah, it's always fun, kind of turning a turning a page on the year and something. Uh, you know, as music fans, that's particularly exciting. Uh, you know, when the new year hits and when January hits, is that around this time a lot of concert information and festival information, lineups, dates, it's all released. Um, you know, I feel like this is a time of year where, like every other week, or you know, pretty much every week, you know, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, middle of the week, like you get these announcements that hey, like this show is coming or like this band just announced a tour and it's going to be here for these days. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for some reason it feels like, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks, like every single major festival, um, across the United States has been announced, uh, you know, from coast to coast, you know, the summertime is the big time of year for that. And, um, I think something that strikes a chord with a lot of people who would listen to this podcast, uh, most notably, uh, the Foo Fighters have announced, uh, that they're going to be headlining three festivals this year. Um, so on, on December 3rd, 31st on New Year's Eve, they released a statement, you know, talking about the fact that there will be more live shows and just talking about, you know, how they want to carry Taylor's memory forward. Um, So when that information came to light, on December 31st, like you kind of got the feeling that there were some announcements imminent, you know, whether it was going to be like a tour, whether it was going to be a festival situation. And sure enough, uh, they announced that they'll be headlining uh, Boston Calling in Boston, Massachusetts, uh, Sonic Temple in Columbus, Ohio, and Bonnaroo in Manchester, Tennessee. So uh, Boston Calling and Bonnaroo will be happening towards the end of May. And I believe Sonic Temple Um, Oh, excuse me, Boston Calling and Sonic Temple, end of May, and then uh, Bonnaroo later on uh, in the summer. So um, obviously this is big news for a lot of people that were hoping, uh, you know, to hear the Foos continue to play. And, uh, you know, this will be the first time that they'll play, you know, in a, I don't want to say normal capacity, but uh, in a non-tribute show capacity uh, moving forward playing, you know, their songs as opposed to a lot of covers and whatnot um, that they did at the tribute show, one of which, uh, you know, we were lucky enough to attend. But obviously big news uh, yeah. for the uh, the for the Foo Fighters faithful and for fans of rock music in general. Yeah, I guess this answers the question that we did not see the last show of the Foo Fighters. There will be right. more. And, um, and this is exciting news. Um, I think my first initial reaction is the tickets are going to be expensive, but I do want to find myself at one of these shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually never been to a festival, a true oh, yeah, festival. I never have either. And I was to say, I don't think you have either, um, which is, you know, surprising and also not surprising because these always, you got to buy, you know, you just, there's going to be a ton of bands that you want to see. So the price, it's easy to up the price for a lot of these. Um, but I think that this would be really cool to go to one of the Foo's first returning shows yeah. and see what, um, you know, what it's going to look like moving forward. And we have no idea what the plans are afterwards, but um, it is still really exciting to know that they're going to be playing and they're going to be playing their music. So yeah. And we're now we see can see who's playing drums. For now them. we can, yeah. Now we can properly uh, speculate on who is going to be back there, but yeah. And I have no idea. So yeah, I still, I, I think if I were to guess, I mean, I'm not a betting man, but uh, I, I, I would think that, uh, it's got to be it's got to be Rufus Taylor, I would think, is, is, presuming yeah. that it's going to be one individual, which I would assume just from a logistics standpoint, uh, from a rehearsing standpoint, you know, um, I would assume that it's going to be just one. But I mean, who knows? I mean, they've, uh, you know, they've certainly, um, you know, surprised us in the past. So um, but it is um, in a way it's 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 
it's healing in a way to kind of be able to have these conversations about, you know, the Foo Fighters continuing to be a living entity and, you know, that their career will go on and their performing career and, and who knows, maybe even their recording career will go on. Um, you know, I think all those guys in that band, you know, they're musicians and they're writers and they're performers. And, you know, I think it will be continually healing for them to continue to do those things, to write and to perform, you know, and to play for their fans. I think, um, you know, that, that tribute show that we went to, that the emotion that was experienced that night is hard to put into words. And I think there's, there's always going to be a little bit of that anytime that band takes the stage. And, um, uh, you know, we'll find out, assuming there are no other concerts announced uh, previous to it, we'll find out on uh, Friday, May 25th at Boston Calling. Uh, that'll be their first uh, the first live show on, on day one of Boston Calling, which is only an hour from me. So I think um, it's about time I, uh, you know, I attend my first festival. And um, I wanted to get into some of these lineups here. Um, so as I mentioned, the Foo Fighters are headlining. And of these three festivals, there's one that is like very geared towards who I would assume is on the other end of this podcast, uh, you know, yeah. the musical taste that they have. And, and that would absolutely be the Sonic Temple Festival um, in Columbus, Ohio. And I just want to read what some a of name. these headliners. Yeah, Sonic Temple. You think that's like somewhere is out in new? the desert or something? I, I have no idea. <laughs> yes, I, I've never heard of it before. And I'm, I mean, I'm not... I'm not, um, you know, festively inclined and I, I have never attended, obviously, but I'm assuming it looks it looks like it looks like it's been a thing before. Um, the first the inaugural Sonic Temple Festival was in 2019. Uh, okay. The Foo's headline that also with System of a Down Disturbed. Um, so, you know, they're making their return for Sonic Temple 2023. But um, I'll tell you, I think, uh, you know, people that are listening, people that follow the page, they would if they could pick any of these three to attend, I think they'd pick this one. Um, you know, on Thursday, your headliners are Tool and Godsmack. And then Friday, it's Avenged Sevenfold and Queens of the Stone Age. Saturday's Kiss and Rob Zombie. And then Sunday, we end with the Foo Fighters and the Deftones. So um, really, really Four strong days, lineup huh? for the fans of just rock and roll and just you know, men hammering away on instruments really hard. Um, you know, even some of the supporting acts. I mean, I see Beartooth on here, Chevelle, which was big back when I was in, uh, you know, in, in middle school. I see Knock Loose is on here as well, Falling in Reverse, The Pretty Reckless, um, AWOL Nation, and Sublime with Rome making an appearance. So that one's, yeah. that one's really big. And Ethan, I know you were big into Avenge Sevenfold uh, yeah. back in your day. So I think, uh, do you think, uh, ha- have you seen them? I can't remember. I have not have not seen Avenge Sevenfold. Uh, that was mm-hmm. one of the Drew. Drew brought that to the table back in high school when we were yeah. playing. Uh, he really liked playing their stuff, and um, so I, ha- I haven't seen them um, mm-hmm. because um, yeah, they they lost a member um, or two members was it, and so I didn't know that. I didn't really know that. I mean, I, I wasn't sure that they were still still going uh, right. with this, with you know. Well, the other you can original find members them at the Sonic whatnot. Temple Festival in Columbus, Ohio, in May. So I have I have seen Sublime with Rome. I think twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, one time, really cool. Saw them play at uh, the Festival Pier in Philly, and Sweet. then they had a after party at the Hard Rock in Philly. There's the Dirty Heads and them, and nice. um, Rome came out and did like a solo thing, and he was like. It was it was great. I mean, he came out and played yeah. a few songs. Like he was super fucked up, and then like <laughs> uh, and then just like came and like mingled in the crowd while Duddy B and and the the Dirty Heads played a few more songs, and mm-hmm. and it was cool. Like we were just like 
we were standing there. I was like, oh shit, like Rome was standing like right next to us, like in the crowd. He was just like vibing in the crowd. And it was, it was really cool. I I love Rome. I think he's, uh, I think he's really talented, really good. Yeah. Um, So that, that, that's pretty cool. I I like that. I mean, it's no Bradley, but I think that's a pretty good, um, a pretty good band. All all things considered. And, you know, important, you know, it's another way for that music to live on. And I mean, I think everybody's got a soft spot for at least a couple of sublime songs, uh, especially yeah. in the summertime. So, I mean, that one, it's always interesting to see how, you know, the festival uh, promoters and, and you know, the, the, the booking agents kind of handle the, the types of uh, you know, genre that they want there. So that was Sonic Temple, I think, very geared towards a specific type of music fan. And then, um, you know, on the other hand, you have Boston Calling and Bonnaroo, the other two shows uh, or festivals, rather, that the Foos are headlining. And Boston Calling, I, I think I have to go to this one. There's a lot that appeals to me, and I think it's like, it's kind of like a something for everyone situation. So the headliners on Friday, it's Foo Fighters and the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. And then Saturday, we have the Lumineers along with Alanis Morissette, the two headliners. And then on Sunday, it's Paramore and then Queens of the Stone Age handling the headlining duties. Um, so there's definitely, I feel like the Lumineers are kind of, you know, just they, they don't, you know, one of these things is not like the other. And uh, I have seen them before live back when, oh, they, really? back when they were good. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, I saw them, I think in 2016 or 2017, um, after I think their second album. Um, yeah, they were they were good live. I yeah, I've they heard were... Quinn seen them, and I know Connor and Doug, they love them. Uh, the yep. Lumineers, they've been on my list. I think that, mm-hmm. um, I think live, they'd be, they'd be really, really good. So I, I would... I would go and see them because I haven't seen them yet, but I know that they had a, they were really big. I mean, they're still really big. Yeah. Um, 100%. That's a good one. So, yeah, it's interesting. And where it gets a little more interesting, uh, all of the, uh, the supporting acts, I'll read off a couple of them. Um, so Friday, I, I see the nationals on here along with, uh, Niall Horan of, uh, one direction fame, as well as Chelsea Cutler, uh, She's on there as well. And on Saturday, um, Noah Kahan, The Flaming Lips, Mount Joy, Fletcher. Um, and then on Sunday, this one's going to be big for you. Uh, I see uh, we've got some bleachers. And then additionally, we have King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard uh, supporting yes. supporting the uh, supporting on Sunday uh, with Queens of the Stone Age headlining, as I said. Marin Morris is in there as well. So it's got a really, really good spread. And, and musically, I feel like Boston Calling this year is pretty diverse. Um, but I think for like the like the hardcore, like, you know, rock and roll fan, you know, if they have the means to travel, if they're choosing between Boston Calling or Sonic Temple, I feel like they might pick Sonic Temple. I mean, you have the Foos and the Queens of Stone Age at both of them and, you know, the supporting acts are definitely you know, for your rock fan, I mean, I would certainly pick Boston Calling in a heartbeat over. Well, this I was gonna say, Temple. so you're you're in the yeah. Boston Calling for sure. Yeah, even if I lived like not near Boston, I would I would choose Boston Calling for if sure. You could go to either one without any. I mean, honestly, yeah. I just want to see the Lumineers. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. see them again. There I mean, is. I'm gonna follow them. Yeah, I think. Oh man, that's a tough one. I I like both lineups. I I think I might go to Sonic Temple. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of bands on there that I, I feel like, you know, kind of mm-hmm. their you know, the years are coming to an end of when you're gonna be able to see That's them. That's true. And they're yeah. still in the still in the wheelhouse where they're not it's not like the uh what was that other tour that uh with Blink one A two that came out last year or that they released it the uh Oh, like their reunion tour are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. with like Paramore, all, all the all the like Oh yeah, I the forget. emo oh, rock um, bands. I know the called? one that you're talking about, I'm forgetting the name. Yeah. Shoot, we did 
an episode. It doesn't we did matter. an episode on this. Yeah, whatever. It's like we the oh shit. Oh well. It doesn't um, matter. But yeah, I mean that that uh, that one. Like, I yeah. feel like I would go and maybe be slightly disappointed. But I feel like the Sonic Temple. I feel like that would be um, still really good. So I, I like I like that one. I think that would be really cool. Well, I love. Like you know, you I never love know that. when you're. Yeah. I was just saying, I love that uh, the food they're playing both in the same weekend. That's such a. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. and you said Queens as well. That's such a baller and difficult thing to do. <laughs> to yeah, play de- two. it definitely sounds challenging for sure. But probably not for them. I mean, they're just going to show up and play. So it's nothing yeah. nothing that crazy, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. So and then the the one other one that we haven't discussed, and who knows, this one might might uh, supplant our, our selections, but Bonnaroo, which the Foo Fighters are also headlining. Um, so on Thursday, uh, June the 15th, uh, Zed's Dead and Liquid Stranger are at the top of the bill. But notably, uh, also on Thursday's bill, uh, Petey is on there. He'll, he'll play Bonnaroo this year, which is huge. Um, Friday, we've got Kendrick Lamar headlining, uh, Portugal the Man and Noah Kahan also on Friday, as well as Fleet Foxes and 3-6 Mafia. Um, on Saturday, we have Odessa headlining, uh, Lil Nas X is playing, Tyler Childers is playing, My Morning Jacket, Corn is in there, Rainbow Kitten Surprise, Cheryl Crow. So that's 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 quite the uh, yeah. you know, quite the wide brush that they're painting with. And on Sunday, the Foos are headlining the last day uh, with support from Paramore, Marcus Mumford, The Revivalists, Umphreys McGee, Jacob Collier, and Hippocampus. That one, th- yeah, Bonnaroo that sounds good too. That one's closest bad. to me. That one's the closest yeah, to I was uh, Alabama. Say, you like Umphreys McGee, don't you? I ha- yeah, I do. I have yeah. I've seen them. I've, I've well, I was at a show once with them. That's the one that got kicked out of. <laughs> Important distinction. <laughs> yeah, I, I I went to a show there and saw a few songs before yep. I had to, uh, you know. Go to court depart. because of it. <laughs> oh, was this in Pittsburgh? The one. Yeah, in this is in yeah, Pittsburgh yeah. At, at Stage AE. Yeah. Um, I heard about this from on on my recruiting visit. Yeah, I, I'm sure yeah. we've. I'm sure I've told this story on yeah. the pod too. I think, but I think you have. Yeah. Long story short, I got thrown out. Came back in. Got thrown out again. Came back in and got thrown out a third time. And three then, strikes um, and you're out. Yeah, three strikes I'm out. And then the cop told me to show up. He wasn't going to show up. It was the the, the bodyguard was being uh, irrational because it was a concert at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so there's no there's no. Um, yeah, there's nothing on the record of it ever, uh, you know, of it ever being a, a real problem. <laughs> Except if, for episode 95 answer. of the Grunge Bible podcast. This yeah. is the only living record of that altercation. Yeah. <clears throat> but the people deserve to hear that, you know. We, yeah, we're, we do. We're in, we're in the thick of it at times. Yeah, yeah exactly. Thick of the night. I, I've, I've got one that I'd, I'd like to share a little later on, and it, and it will come up uh, that's on a similar vein as that. But yeah, Bonnaroo sounds pretty good, and... Uh, you know, certainly, I think it's also cool. I mean, these these are in you know three different parts of the country for the most part. Uh, you know, so you're gonna afford fans of the Foo Fighters, you know, opportunities to be able to see them. I mean, obviously in Tennessee, Ohio, and then yeah. up here in the Northeast in New England and Massachusetts. So um, yeah, I definitely think um, for me, Boston Calling, just because it's so close, I think I I should go, and I think it, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting. I've never, like I said, I've never gone to a festival, so. Um, if you were in charge of a festival and and yes. billing and getting all the bands, would you go for a more diverse approach? Like, I mean, I, I think Bonnaroo definitely that's that's pretty I diverse. Think I would, that has honestly. like rap. That has that has yeah. all 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 the stuff. Or you can go, you know, pick a genre and really hammer it and just hope that you get somebody that's like, wow, like I've always wanted to see all these bands, so I'm definitely mm-hmm. going to go for all three days. 
Yes. If I had, if I had the connections and the, um, and the pocketbook to do it, I would, I would totally go with a little bit more of a diversified approach. And the reason being is that as a music fan, I think encountering an artist or a band in a live setting that you haven't heard about, um, is one of the best ways to grow an appreciation for them and to become a fan of somebody. Um, and I think a lot of times, you know, people can sometimes, I do too, people have preconceived notions over, you know, what they are and are not a fan of or who they are and are not a fan of. And sometimes, you know, you just got to get them in the same area as a band performing live. And, you, you know, you'll be surprised what catches your ear. Um, so strictly from a point, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, maximize my bottom line or anything. I'm just trying to do a service to, you know, the music fan that's yeah. in every single attendee to a festival. It would be cool to get a diversified area because, you know, they're going to be around the festival grounds. They're going to hear this stuff. And, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, those stories so cool. Like, Hey, I was, I was outside, like in the, you know, in the, in the water line or something. And I heard this and I, I went back in and I, you know, I discovered this band, uh, or, you know, I gave this band a second look that I had previously written off. I think those are some of the more fulfilling moments. Uh, and you know, that'd be really cool to be able to curate something like that, you know, to, to make those moments happen for people. So I, I would definitely choose a little bit more of a diversified lineup because, uh, you know, something there for everyone. And then, you know, there's things there for people that they don't even know that they were there until, you know, they attended and something caught their ear. What about you? Um, I think, I think pretty similar. Um, yeah. I think I, I, as I mean, maybe selfishly, I think I'd want to have to be able to hear diverse, a more diverse lineup yeah. as well and get people that get people connected that may not normally be connected, uh, right. certain bands and whatnot. And, you know, because I think a lot of the artists, I think, also appreciate that. You know, maybe because, you know, you get a lot of people coming out on stage with them that no, not normally are in contact with or they have cool things set up. So you totally. might get some really cool collaborations from it and who knows, some projects down the road. So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, the diverse, the diversifying is is, is key to, uh, you know, good music. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah I percent. Yeah, that's. Yep. I'm not surprised that we agree on that as having, you know, diverse music tastes. So like the diversity wouldn't be something that would be a turnoff for us to be like, hell yeah. Like we've got, you know, Kendrick Lamar and then, you know, we have the Foo Fighters the next day. I mean, cool. Bring it on. That's, that's great stuff. Uh, you know, but obviously. And just you know, totally different experiences right, um, as exactly. a fan. Like, you know, if you mm-hmm. go to the, if it's hard rock the whole time, you're going to have to do this, you know, the same type of crowd interactions and right. You know, yeah, it'd be cool exactly. to mix it up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So with, with all of this festival talk, um, you, you kind of, obviously with the grunge genre, you look back and there were definitely some, some very legendary festivals and, you know, there were some, some performances at these festivals that, you know, time and notoriety and just, you know, urban legend have anointed as being some of the hallmark performances from the era. Um, you know, so with all of these announcements, it kind of got me thinking back to some of the festivals that happened back in the early nineties, uh, you know, around the grunge scene. And, you know, for a lot of these festivals, there's like that one performance or that one band that played, um, you know, that everybody looks back on, like, you know, the Pearl Jam at Pink Pop 92 and, you know, Nirvana at Reading in 92. Um, and it's interesting to go back and look at who else was on the bill uh, and to kind of retroactively go through this, a similar exercise that we just did, you know, talking about the bands that were on the bill um, and just kind of talking about, you know, what what you might have missed or what you may have discovered. So, you know, three of, in my opinion, the more notable festivals that happened, you know, from the grunge era, um, you know, not 
any coincidence. I think they all happened in 1992. Uh, you have Pink Pop 92, you have Reading 1992, and then you have Lollapalooza 92. Um, and for me, at least, you know, you have Pearl Jam from the Pink Pop, you have um, Nirvana from Reading, and then Lollapalooza. Um, for me, it's that Soundgarden performance that they did in Bremerton as a part of the Lollapalooza circuit back in 92. But, um, you know, before this episode, we, we both, you know, went on and did some research and kind of looked at some of the other bands that were on the bill. Um, and, you know, I just kind of want to talk about some of our takeaways and, you know, to insert yourself um, back and kind of, you know, at a moment in time, be able to hear these. And a lot of these conversations that we just had about those three festivals that are happening this summer, people could have had about these, you know, these three from 92, uh, you know, how focused uh, some of the festivals were with their genre selection, and in other cases, how diverse they were. So, um, you know, we could start with Pink Pop, you know, the smallest of the three festivals. Right. Um, and obviously, it's it's most notable in the 92 iteration for the Pearl Jam set. Um, you know, looking back, obviously, that was one of the you know, one of the live performances Pearl Jam gave in the early days that I think really solidified their reputation um, and, you know, garnered them a lot of respect as a amazing live band. I mean, the whole band, they were at the top of their game. And, you know, we talked about Porch earlier, you know, with the, uh, the very famous camera dive, mm -hmm. uh, you know, into the crowd with Ed. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really it's hard not to overlook some of the other performances and some of the acts that were there. I mean, Soundgarden played a great set that day. Uh, and there were a couple of other bands that, and, and, and individuals that I, I don't listen to their music or I don't really listen that much, but Buffalo it's Tom. interesting to look back. Buffalo Tom. Exactly. <laughs> this is not the first time we'll see Buffalo Tom in this conversation. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Um, and it's really like, I want to go back and, and listen to some of these. I mean, you had uh, at pink pop 92, you had Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, but you also had PJ Harvey. Harvey and Lou Reed, David Byrne, and you have the cult who I've been mm -hmm. I'm beginning to get into a little bit more. So it's interesting to kind of insert yourself back into a music fan. You know, if we were the ages we are now in 92 and be like, oh, like, you know, if we had the ability to travel to the Netherlands for this, like, oh, like, do I go to this or do I go to something else? But yeah, Buffalo Tom, I <laughs> I don't know that I'm familiar. Are you? Sadly, I, I'm 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 reporting that I'm not familiar with <laughs> Buffalo Tom. And I he, as soon as I saw him on the bills, I was like, I, I gotta go back and, yeah, and I gotta, figure out. I gotta figure out what I'm to, missing. We might have to do an episode on Buffalo Tom. I would love that. Yeah, I would yeah. love that. I mean that that just sounds great. I think another when I was looking at these three, I mean the main the main thing is this all came out in 92, which Nirvana and Pearl Jam are still very early. In, I mean, it was just like early in their, you know, album um, discography and what they were playing. And yeah, I mean, so, especially Pearl Jam having mm -hmm. only released their first record, uh, yeah. you know, in 1991. And Nirvana having been on a national scale, an international scale, you know, irrelevant until 1991 yeah. with Nevermind. Um, it is kind of an interesting point in time. I mean, some of the hottest bands in the world at the time that to the yeah. average fan just popped out of nowhere, like, holy yeah. shit. Here's Teen Spirit and headlining, you know, and, right. and playing, you know, significant sets. Um, and I think that's important when you. That's why I think those performances really stand out because they're playing these songs in the first three years of, of writing them, and and right. the you know their love for playing those songs is at the highest it'll be. Mm -hmm. And uh, and yeah, they're trying to prove themselves in a lot of ways, and um, I think that's pretty special for. And that's why, you know, that's why all festivals are great because you never know, um, you know, what band out there is hungry, you know, what band out right. there is really, you know, finally getting their opportunity. And that's why those are so cool because you can find those, 
um, find those performances that stick out and, and last right. life, a lifetime. A hundred percent. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I think that same thing applies to Reading, which was obviously quite a bit bigger than Pink Pop. Right. You know, this one was spread out over three days. And, uh, you know, just to name check and name drop some of the bands that played over that Friday, Saturday and Sunday in August of 92, uh, you know, PJ Harvey makes an appearance again. And one thing this this also kind of gives you an appreciation or an insight into some of the popular bands of the time, <laughs> because we've got Buffalo Tom once again on Saturday, August 29th at Reading Fest, uh, public enemy headline that day. And also Gish era pumpkins played as well as the Rollins band uh, Mm -hmm. on that Saturday. So, you know, just really, really cool. And I'll tell you with each passing minute of this podcast, my fascination and intrigue (laughs) and it's a Buffalo Tom only increases. Like I'm at the point where, I mean, you'll get the whole spread from us. Like, I don't know if Buffalo Tom is a band or if it's a (laughs) moniker for an individual. I don't know. Mr. Buffalo Tom. Yeah. (laughs) Mr. Tom. Sir, so but and then I mean, also also yeah. at the show at the you know the Melvins Screaming Trees L seven well, thing so so Sunday Sunday August Mud 30th, Honey that was just like a like a master class in what would become known as like the Seattle sound I mean you have yeah. Nirvana headlining Mud Honey's on there L 7s on there Screaming Trees Pavement um, Teenage Fan Club I mean you've got you've got a big big spread there and I mean Mud Honey there's the, that I've seen that performance it's absolutely incredible and um, Nirvana funnily enough uh, having read uh, Mark Lanigan's memoir so uh, one condition of uh, Kurt Cobain's to play Reading in 92 was that the Screaming Trees come with mm. uh, Lanigan and, and Cobain were uh, were very good friends at the time and uh, Nirvana and Kurt Cobain essentially got the Screaming Trees onto that bill I think they played early in the afternoon and um, Lanigan's memoir you know provides more insight into that but I mean talk about with the benefit of hindsight, that final day, I mean, that, you know, those five or six, seven bands that took the stage there, I mean, pretty incredible, mm-hmm. uh, you know, knowing what we know now and, uh, you know, with the acclaim that certainly a lot of these bands have, have earned over the years. But um, really, really, really cool. And, and um, you know, I did a poll on Instagram and you know, I made a post with all, th- all three of these festivals that we've spoken about. And so far, most of the people have said, you know, if they could only have only attended one, they would have attended Reading 92, especially mm. that, um, that third day. Uh, and that does leave us, uh, you know, the final, the final of this trio that we wanted to discuss, which is Lollapalooza. And growing up, I had always just had the understanding that Lollapalooza was, you know, the big festival that happened in Grant Park in Chicago at the end of the summer, uh, you know, every single year. And as I got deeper into the genre, I would find, you know, back maybe seven, eight years ago, I would find like, oh, Lollapalooza 92 from Washington and then a Lollapalooza 92 from Arizona. I'm like, what, how are there two and why are neither of them in Chicago? And then I read the whole history and I had no idea about the, you know, the history behind the genesis of Lollapalooza with, you know, Perry Farrell co-founding it, um, um, and, you know, having it serve in a way as a farewell for Jane's Addiction in 91. And the fact that they they played 21 sites in 1992, which is just incredible. I mean, a traveling Lollapalooza. Um, I mean, they hit they hit everywhere coast to coast. They even hit Mansfield, Massachusetts near me, um, which has the distinction of being the only concert venue that I've been kicked out of. So <laughs> uh, I said that was coming back. And uh, once again, I'm pretty sure I've I've. Um, I've uh, divulged that story here on the podcast, but you know, once again, for the new listeners, for the new listeners, the new years. um, 
circa 2015, um, you know, I went to a I went to a music concert at <laughs> at the Xfinity Center um, up in Mansfield, Massachusetts, and uh, I was 18 or 19, and I was kicked out for being. Uh, uh, in the possession of and under the influence of alcohol, because you cannot do that unless you're 21. And I was not 21. And there may have been a little fibbing to the uh, law enforcement officers at the time. And, uh, right. you know, arrests may have been threatened, but they were not carried out. And I continued on my way. So it was just kind of one of those experiences. But the most embarrassing part of that, it's not the fact that I got kicked out, it's that I lied, whatever. The most embarrassing part is that it was a Kid Rock concert and Foreigner <laughs> was opening for them. And the only music I heard, they kicked us off the premises. We had to call somebody to come pick up the truck because we couldn't drive because we were we were intoxicated. Um, the only part of music I heard, I heard Foreigner or whoever comprises <laughs> Foreigner now that still called themselves Foreigner. Uh, I heard a little bit of Cold as Ice as good, we rode good. out there for the final time. I was banned indefinitely. Too. I was going to say the crazy. Wait, so you got kicked out before Kid Rock came on? I got. I. I mean, we probably got there maybe three in the afternoon. The show didn't start till like six or something. We got there when the lot started because we we're gonna have ourselves an afternoon. Yeah. You know, we were like, we're gonna park the car. Like it's gonna be the whole day. We're gonna be fine. It's all gonna be good. And we didn't hear a damn thing. Damn, that's crazy. I didn't realize you didn't get. I didn't one. I didn't realize that Foreigner opened and you got to hear Cold as Ice. That's great. But then I also, was Cold as Ice. The fact that the fact that you didn't get to see any Kid Rock is really uh, yep. pretty funny. I didn't see. I didn't see anything, and uh, it was some time before I returned uh, to the Xfinity Center. Well, it's I was, I was banned say, indefinitely. I was going to say the, the best part about this is you're the only one who's banned indefinitely from. I mean, maybe maybe I'm banned from Stage AE, but I don't. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't know. But yeah, I love. I, mean, I love that they told you that. Yeah, I was banned indefinitely. Threatening, and, um, just threatening an, an 18 year old and just hoping that fear keeps yeah, them away. Yeah, with an indefinite ban from a music venue. So, I mean, it took, I mean, I didn't live, I didn't live back in that area for, you know, another five, five or six years. So by the time I returned, uh, the first show that I saw there uh, after my, uh, my ban was uh, handed down from the judge, um, it was uh, the Black Crows in uh, August or September of 2021. And then I saw the Black Keys and Band of Horses uh, <laughs> this past summer there. So saw um, them. <laughs> I'm one for three on on like really quality. Uh, were you were you experiences? Were you scared going back? Did you think they were gonna recognize? You? <laughs> like, oh, I'm there sorry, Mister Salona, but like, remember that yeah. one time uh, the Kid Rock concert back in the day? Like, we still yeah, remember. I, you know, I was. Uh, you can't help but look over your shoulder a little bit. I mean, obviously, the most important thing that they have, uh, you know, on their plate in terms of a safety. Uh, you know, s safety initiatives for concerts is to, you know, consult their six to seven year old indefinite ban list. And, uh, you know, fortunately for me, uh, I was not detected and uh, I've since returned a couple of times. So uh, that's amazing. Yeah. Good. Old, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Lollapalooza played there. And I mean, the, the headliners the for. Yeah, it's this really, one's, really impressive. This one's really impressed. I mean, the, they all are and stuff. And I like the smallness of the Pink Pop show. But this one had had a really nice lineup, too. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you had, for for some of the headliners in the significant acts, especially at the time, you had the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Ice Cube, Ministry, the Jesus and Mary Chain, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Lush. Um, I mean, so, the, I mean, of, of, of the time, you have some of Raging the greatest Raging Against the acts. Machine. 
Rage Against the Machine. And it's crazy, too, because some of these bands were supporting acts. Rage Against the Machine was a supporting act. Tool were a supporting act. Stone Temple Pilots were even on for a little bit as a supporting act. Yeah. Porno for Pyros, they were there as a, as a supporting act. So it really kind of gives you Temple of the Dog played, correct? Well, exactly. So so one of my favorite performances was uh, from, from the Phoenix show, which I think was in September of 92. Um, Ice Cube was on the main stage. And as we recall, Pearl Jam and Soundgarden were both on the tour. And on one of the side stages during Ice Cube set, Eddie Vedder and Chris Cornell Mystified. just get up and start oh. playing Hunger Strike. Um, you know, and, and, and there's a really cool video on YouTube. Uh, you know, they start to play like completely unannounced or at least, you know, to the general public unannounced. And, and the camera pans to the, uh, you know, in front of the stage. And everybody is just kind of like streaming in to come see this because obviously, you know, this is in a post 10 world and a post bad motor finger world where they've got international fame and everybody knows who they are. So what a cool moment that would have been to, you know, look over or hear, you know, from, from out, you know, beyond the tree line, you hear uh, hunger strike going on. So really, really cool. Uh, And for me, as I said earlier, my favorite Lollapalooza 92 moment is that set that Soundgarden played in Bremerton. And that's, that's the one where Eddie Vedder joins for backing vocals on Outshined. That I hear Chris Salona's voice in the back <laughs> yeah. being mystified. Uh, so now you know who gets mystified. Yeah, that one's, that one's certainly one of the best ones. But yeah, it is always interesting. And I mean, Lollapalooza and Pink Pop, I mean, in Reading Festival too, I mean, Throughout the entirety of the 1990s, their lineups were so robust and so complete, both at the time, if you can place yourself back there, and looking back. I mean, a lot of these acts have such staying power, their music does, and their performances from this time do. I mean, Nirvana's Live at Reading, I mean, the live the live part that they released, the live album, I mean, incredible. And, you know, Pink Pop is probably... I'd say that's probably Pearl Jam's most revered live performance. I mean, you just... These performances just don't happen out of nowhere. And it's so cool that so many of them were confined, you know, in one year, for instance, in 1992. So really cool. And you always wonder looking forward now, like which, you know, yeah. if any of these performances that we just spoke about, you know, for Boston Calling, Sonic Temple and Bonnaroo, like, are there going to be any any performances at those festivals that people look back and be like, yeah, that was the one. Yeah. And the set lists. I mean, we, we haven't even got into the set list of these these guys, but they're just, I mean, they're just hitters all the way around. Oh obviously. my God. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it really is. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just awesome looking through, obviously, um, pink pop 92, they pretty much played all of 10. It looks like, um, and then the sound garden. I, I love, I mean, finishing with slaves and bulldozers. Um, it's one of my favorite live Oh yeah, one of the favorite and, live and their performances. Li- their live jams of Slaves is just so good. It's especially so heavy, at that like, time. and yeah, Cameron on the drums just so heavy hitting that like I just really it's hard to not get going after hearing mm-hmm. that type of stuff. Yeah. And then you know you look at and then Nirvana's list at uh, Reading is is uh, very extensive. I mean it's probably that's the longest set between the three of them, and uh, they did some really cool stuff because they were actually. You know, people didn't think they were going to play. And I think there's an interviewer, like, he walked in and some of his friends from the other bands like, oh, you showed up. And he's like, well, duh, we're headlining. And, like, he had mm-hmm. no idea that people didn't think they were going to play. And right. That was when uh, Kirk came out on the in the wheelchair uh, and, you know, stood up and fell over. And then they started jamming. And yeah. um, it's pretty iconic. And then um, at the end of the show, they, uh, you know, they played the national anthem. They went into, like, a little jamming. And he played the national anthem, kind of an ode to Jimi Hendrix. He kind of, like... You know, 
classic festival move and then just destroyed their instruments which is oh yeah you gotta <laughs> love classic that classic festival move yeah you gotta <laughs> love that so um yeah. some really you know some really great performances obviously and it yeah. would have been i don't know which which one of those three would you have uh attended, oh man Chris? i think i th- i think i'd have to pick Lollapalooza, honestly. Mm. Yeah. Um, because you get Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, honestly. Um, although it's 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 a tough choice between that or or Reading, honestly. Um, but I mean, oh shit! I mean, even Pink Pop with Soundgarden and Pearl Jam. I mean, there's yeah. sets I love, and you know, Pink Pop and Reading have the uh, the important caveat that I would have been able to see Buffalo Tom. So you <laughs> yes. know, I couldn't do that at Lollapalooza. So you know, yeah, it's hard. I don't I don't know if I can choose. It it is tough. It just depends who you value that you like value to see more and I think that's why a lot of people pick Reading um to see Nirvana and that's one of their better shows, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it is it is really it is really hard choice. Um yeah. I don't know. I I don't know. Maybe maybe I have to take into account like what city I'm going to be in too cuz you know, I love tra- yeah. I love traveling and and maybe maybe around it, you know. Probably mm-hmm. back in the day, a lot of people you just go for the show. You wouldn't have as much time or the money, but maybe I don't know. Maybe I'd go to Reading. That might be my choice. Yeah, that's a good choice. But they're all like they're all phenomenal. So yeah, that's great. Well, uh, yeah, it's really really interesting to look back, but also to look forward. Um, you know, I, I I think a lot of this podcast, obviously, because of the genre that we focus on, a lot of it is looking back, but. You know, that first portion of today's episode, we're kind of looking forward to different performances that have yet to happen. I think that's really cool. Um, you know, and if you're in the, any of these areas and you have the means to go out and see a band, um, you know, I think it's important. Uh, you know, we've been reminded, uh, you know, very frequently in the last five to 10 years of, as to why it's so important to go out and see, you know, these musicians that we appreciate. Um, so, you know, hopefully if you, if you didn't quite get out there in 2022 or didn't quite have the ability and something's changed and you have the ability to do it now in 2023, uh, we implore you to, to go make that leap. I know, um, you know I saw a lot of live music last year and uh, I'm looking forward to doing something very similar this year. And, uh, you know, it, it adds a lot of value. So that's my, uh, my one uh, homework assignment uh, for this episode of the Grunge Bible Podcast. Yeah. Always a good reminder and a good good ho- a homework assignment that people should be uh, happy to do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, if you're still listening, we thank you for uh, joining us through this point. Uh, you know, we wouldn't be here without your support. And, uh, you know, if you're interested in supporting us more, uh, the show notes have uh, links to our merchandise website where you can purchase all kinds of Grunge Bible goodies, as well as a link to our Patreon website where you can just get straight to the point and give us cold, hard cash, which is, uh, you know, cash is king. So $2, $5 or $10 a month. Um, that keeps this, uh, that keeps the gears turning on the grunge Bible podcast machine, uh, just about two years into it now. So we're really appreciative of that. We'd also like to thank our producer, Drew McFadden for his help because, uh, you know, without him, it doesn't matter how much money the Patreon, Patreon supporters give, we wouldn't be able to do a damn thing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Oh man, he's the boss in, in this weird, yep. this weird trio, boss. you know? Yeah, um, exactly. So I think it's time to close out with some songs of the week. But if you'll indulge me before we do songs of the week, I have some information I would like to share. As long as I'm just praying that it's about Buffalo Tom. But. <laughs> oh, you are in luck, my good <laughs> Hell man. Hell yes, so, I knew it. So, I, I knew so, it. 
So Buffalo Tom is not just an individual. It is it is an alternative rock band. And unbeknownst to me, they, they had their inception uh, in Massachusetts. Uh, they, these guys met at UMass Amherst, not too far from me. Uh, and Buffalo Tom's principal members, they're comprised of Bill Janovitz, Chris Colborn, and Tom McGinnis. And Ethan, you're going to love why they call themselves Buffalo Tom. Oh, I'm so excited. I, I already know that this is the first thing I'm going to do as soon as they f- oh, close yeah. up the laptop is I'm yep. putting on I'm Buffalo Tom. I'm not going to send it to Drew. I just got to get into the Buffalo Tom zone. So Buffalo Tom are called Buffalo Tom because of because of the band Buffalo Springfield. So they took Buffalo from Buffalo Springfield <laughs> and then they just took the first name of their drummer, Tom McGinnis. <laughs> It's perfect, dude. So is this like, you know how like when, when people shorten their names, like like I'm, you know, Chris Salona, but my whole name's Christopher John Salona. Does this mean that like the band's full name is like Buffalo Springfield Tom McGinnis? <laughs> I, I think I absolutely, I mean, that makes and then, sense. And then like in quotation marks at the end, Buffalo Tom. <laughs> if we do an episode, that's how we're going to name it. Right? Buffalo yeah. Springfield Tom McGinnis. <laughs> Yeah, really, really important. So, yeah, they met at UMass Amherst. Um, you know, they, they, they were just hammering away in the 90s. I'm, I'm not able to do a proper view. And this is one of the instances where I will admit to reading about stuff after the fact on Wikipedia, as I have Wikipedia open. But how else are you going to learn about stuff these yeah. days? I mean, we have the Internet, so i got to learn about Buffalo Tom. Fuck it. I can't wait for the first post of Buffalo oh, Tom yeah. to show up because <laughs> it's, it's coming. Yep. You can yeah, I think it's definitely got to come from their 1990 album, Bird Brain. <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah, what a, what a great album. To. Yeah, um, there's a lot of... Um, they, they, have a, they kind of have a parallel path uh, with Jay Maskus. He worked with them a lot back in the day. And if I remember right, I think Jay Maskus is a Massachusetts guy as well, so... That's pretty cool. I would not be surprised when we get into this to see how they're connected and, and yeah, exactly, Amherst, Massachusetts, yep. exactly what part they played in the music scene back in the day. So if you're out there listening and you're a Buffalo Tom enthusiast, yeah. uh, please chime in, help us, please correct, teach correct us. us. Don't shit on us, teach yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, we're eager. This is you know one of the few times where um, you know we're caught on camera and we're just eager to uh, to dive into something. Absolutely. Well, um, uh, my life I is wish better that I could, because I'm aware. Yeah, I wish that know. I could pick one of their songs, but I, I'm not. You know, I have to save that for another episode for when mm-hmm. I am, you know, yeah. truthful about it. So, but exactly. I, I will go first, though. And I'm All gonna right, yeah, I'm, let's get it. And this one, I'm not sure if it's it's actually been on the list uh, before, um, but just to pay homage to Pink Pop '92 and Eddie Vedder and your mm-hmm. tattoo, I'm gonna. I, I think Porch. Just how we open, right. we opened up the show. And we talked about how, you know, this could be the day, uh, you know, hear my name, take a look. And um, I think that's an important reminder. And the song, if it's not on the list, we'll find out soon. Um, but it really should be. And uh, I'm going to be listening to that today as well, because Fuck yeah. you need the reminder sometime to uh, take the leap. So yeah. Porch is the song. Yep. I love that. Um, my song of the week is not going to be as sentimental or as empowering, uh, <laughs> but we did also discuss this prior to hopping on. My song of the week is Kimberly Austin by Porno for Pyros. Hell yes. Um, just an absolutely electric song from the pen of Perry Farrell. There's a uh, killer live version from 120 Minutes on MTV uh, with Mike Watt uh, guesting in on the bass guitar, um, which is really, really incredible. I mean, Mike Watt is just... I mean, he's just the he's just the man for the job. He is. Whatever you need, whatever you need done, Mike Watts there. Um, so he did that's it really all there is to it. 
he did it for a long time and they're playing for a lot of people as we like talk about that's yep. good shit that's really yeah, solid that's so good. that's really good shit so yeah Puts go the follow on it follow the listen follow the the playlist <laughs> and, t- and give playlist a listen to follow and listen the take <laughs> yes exactly uh do whatever you want with uh our platforms but listen yeah. to those two songs absolutely that's some great parting advice well thank you all for listening uh we hope to be in touch with you next week for episode 96 but as for now that just about does it so we will see you all later all right guys rock and roll have a great week we'll be right back.